Well, good morning, church. If you are glad to be in the house of the Lord, would you say amen? amen. I'll uh, let you know uh, right up front that I smell the food, and so I will do my best to uh, keep it uh, somewhat short, although my family's probably chuckling down there. That would be a first for them if they heard that. It's just an amazing honor, absolutely amazing to be able to be back here today. Been looking forward to this uh, for the last few months. I will go ahead and tell you that you have seen the best part of my family already, or at least three of the best parts of my family. Uh, when you look at me this morning, what you see is uh, you see less hair. Uh, you see more girth or more weight. Uh, you'll see here in just a few minutes a pair of eyeglasses that I have come to realize uh, since I have left here that I can't do anything without these eyeglasses. And some of you will say, amen, you know that to be true. Uh, and then uh, I have brought with me a couple of new members of my family that you probably I uh, have not met. I know you've met Scott before, but one I know absolutely you haven't. She's the, uh, the littlest one, and uh, she's now the boss of the family, uh, my first granddaughter, and uh, just overjoyed to be able to have all of them. Uh, Pastor Josh was right, when, uh, brother, when you said that we can't all be together. We can't even do that in our own home sometimes, and so it's wonderful to have everybody here today, and you probably already recognize that Jennifer's the shortest person in the family now. Uh, she's uh, been outgrown by every one of us. So I also want to thank you just uh, in the brief time that we've been here this morning uh, for the kindness and the hospitality that you have shown to me and the love that you have shown to my family. And not just today, but always. Ever since we've been here, I've been involved and affiliated with First Baptist Church of Fairdale. You guys have been so wonderful to us. And I am not surprised by that uh, because uh, the fact that you are hospitable, the fact that you are a loving church and a kind church is one reason why you have been here for 103 years. And so I thank you so much for the way that you have invited us and welcomed us. 103 years is a big deal. Uh, that's not something to be uh, sneezed at. When I was here with you last, it's almost four years to the day that I was last here. Uh, I left the first Sunday of November to take over the pastorate in uh, South Carolina. And, uh, but when I was here, you were getting ready to celebrate, if I believe it was your 100th year. Is that right, Josh? And so uh, just a unique opportunity that, to be back here four years later to do this. And I hope you're, you're able to celebrate. These, these are magnificent milestones in the life of a church. There's not a lot of churches that get to celebrate these kind of times. And so I hope you'll take them, those things seriously and the impact that you've made on the community. You should be very proud. You should be very, and by the way, not proud for the, proud for the sake of pride, but you should be just very glad and very, uh, have a spirit of thanksgiving of the way that the Lord has used this church in this community for so very long. Uh, I was thinking, you know, when you come back to a place like this for homecoming, uh, you think back on first times and times that you've been able to experience here. Josh, I remember the first time that my family walked through those doors. And we sat about right there, and uh, we were here on a Sunday, I believe it was after the first or second trip to Ecuador that the church had made, and uh, it was Testimony Sunday. And so we came, and we were sitting, you know where I'm going with this, right, Josh? And so we came, and we sat, and, and, uh, and they three, three people stood up, and they gave testimonies, did a wonderful job with testimonies, but, but it took most of the time for the worship service. And got to the end of the worship service, and uh, I figured it was only about 10 minutes left, and I just, I was a little disappointed, because we had been looking for a church for five or six months, and someone had said, listen, they, they knew that we were looking for an expositor, an expositor being defined as someone who walks verse by verse through the Holy Word of God. And so that was very important to us. And so we, we heard that you've got to go to Fairdale. There's this young guy there. 
And he preaches word of God. He preaches verse by verse. He's terrific. You got to go hear him. So we came. We was a little disappointed, right? So he thought the service was going to end and not going to get to hear Josh. And Josh come up here and he stood and he said, I know we've been here for a while and I know that, that uh, this is typically the, the amount of time that we usually have for a worship service. But I don't think we need to leave here until we open up the Bible and hear from God's word today. And I remember thinking to myself, Woo! Glory! <laughs> I didn't know how that would go over with all you people if I actually said that in the middle of my first time in the building. What an amazing thing to have someone who says, the word of God's the main thing. Let's let the main thing be the main thing. And so it was just a fantastic opportunity. And ever since then, it wasn't long after that, we came back and had the opportunity to join the church. We didn't even come at that point to serve on staff. That was, that was, we joined before we actually uh, were invited to be a part of the church staff and be on the pastoral team. And it's just a wonderful opportunity. Ever since then, we have just given thanks to God for all the opportunity and all the, the, the friendships that we have made here and for the privilege of being part of the, the Fairdale family. And, and I just want to say thank you for letting us come back, and especially you, Josh. Uh, thank you for giving us the honor of coming back and, and renewing those friendships. And also, brother, the, the sacred honor of coming and preaching behind your pulpit. I know how important that is, and I want to thank you for that. Well, beloved, I want to invite you, if you would, to take your copy of God's Word and open up to Mark chapter 7 with, with me this morning. Mark chapter 7. We're going to begin here shortly with verse 24. You know this already. I really do not have to say this, but First Baptist Church in Fairdale did not manage to stay alive and thrive for 103 years by being complacent in this community. Uh, you've been doing stuff. There have been seasons and there have been sermons. There have been spells. There have been situations. There have been times when you have intentionally engaged with this community. Of all the churches that the Lord has privileged me to be a part of, I can honestly say that First Baptist Fairdale does one of the very best jobs of getting involved in the community. You've engaged this community with the gospel. You've engaged this community with your love, with service. You've engaged this community with your ministry. You have showed up to do things. You have bent a need to pray for things. You have opened the word of God to teach things. And because of your faithfulness, God has honored you. You do not make it to 103 years old by merely existing. I want you to think about the New Testament church. And ever since Peter stood up at Pentecost and he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for the very first time. And many souls were added that day to the very first church. Ever since that time, the church has been meant to be an active Organism, the, the, And then, by the way, this is in spite of all kinds of issues and problems. Think about the church at large today. The church has been maligned. The church has been marginalized. The church has been ridiculed. The church has been persecuted. Over the years, listen to me, leaders of the church, meaning the church at large, the big capital C church, leaders of the church have given their lives for the church. They've willingly laid down their lives for the church. They have, some have had to go into hiding uh, pastors and church members alike throughout the ages have been maligned. They have been uh, put on trial. They have been going through one trial followed by another tribulation and so forth and so on. Yet, the churches remained. Churches remained. And I would even go so far as to say the church has not just remained, but the church has succeeded. And it has overwhelmingly succeeded. And you're going to ask the question, why? Why has the church succeeded? And if I were to ask that question to my kids, they would be sarcastic and they would say, because God wanted it to. 
which is absolutely right. <laughs> it succeeded because God has preordained for the church to be his arm, his mechanism of love and the sharing of the gospel throughout the world. And that's true. But when we really think about the question, why? why is the, what has caused the church to grow? And not just to, to grow, but to grow and to make a, an impact. I would suggest to you today it's because the church, through the power of God and based upon the word of God, has chosen not to be ignored. And that's a choice, beloved. It's a choice. Listen to me. I've got a newborn grandbaby, right? And when she wants something, she makes her mind she's going to choose not to be ignored. She's going to get our attention. (laughs) Beloved, that's the way the church has been. That's the way the church must remain today. And I'm going to tell you, and you need to know this, if you want to reach that 206th homecoming, the church is going to have to pledge here and today, right now, that we're going to continue this. We're going to, to continue to choose not to be ignored. From the first century to the 21st century, from Philippi to Fairdale, God has made it clear that his purpose for his church, listen to me, is to be impossible to be ignored. We must be impossible to be ignored. And so that's going to be my charge to you this morning. If you have your copy of God's word ready, I invite you to stand with me in reverence to that holy word as we read it together to God's glory. We're going to be looking verses 24 through 37 of Mark chapter 7. If you are ready to hear from the Lord, would you say hallelujah? Mark chapter 7, beginning of verse 24 says, And Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted, to know, wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he, meaning Jesus, was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. He said to her, because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, and indeed the demon having left. And again, he went out from the region of Tyre, and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him one who is deaf and spoke with difficulty. And they, meaning his friends, they implored him to lay his hand on him. And Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself. He put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. And after looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Aphatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he, meaning Jesus, gave them orders not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. And they were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that today, Lord, you would utterly astonish us with what you can accomplish through your word. Father, we pray not for our sake, but for the sake of your glory and for the purposes of this church, God, that we would all be encouraged and excited and motivated today. We would be motivated to be impossible to be ignored in this community and beyond. 
Father, I pray that if there's one here today that is... Uh, Lord, become callous. If there's one here today who has become complacent, if there's one here today whose life has become cold, Lord, I pray that today they would indeed be utterly astonished to the extent that you would cause them to grow, to become motivated, to follow you, to serve you well. Father, I pray that you would cause our eyes to see and our ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church today. And we ask this with all humility in the high and holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you thought it was uh, impossible to ignore what was going on around you? Forgive me if I've told this story to you before. Uh, it's old, hard to forget uh, who all you've shared illustrations with. Uh, we used to live in Chicago. God gave us the great privilege of helping to plant a church in Chicago several years ago. And while I was there, I worked for a season for the Moody Bible Institute. And I, I had to take the L, the famous L downtown in Chicago. Uh, to get to where I was going. It took an hour and 15 minutes to get there. And so uh, every day I would get on the train, every day I'd ride down, I would have to, if you've been to Chicago through the loop, uh, you know you're probably going to have to change trains to get where you're going. And if you've ever been to some of the most busy L stations in Chicago, there's a lot of birds there. I don't know what they are. There's some kind of gull, right? Seagull, some kind of a bird. Anyway, I find those birds impossible to ignore. Now, I remember standing there, and I remember watching everybody around us, and uh, they just ignored the birds. They didn't pay attention to the poop that was on the, you know, you know if there's poop on the, on the thing, I'm going to be looking for poop. I'm going to be watching for poop raining from the skies, right? I'm, I'm going to be doing all these things. Those birds, I could not ignore them. And if you're walking through there, you know, sometimes they swoop down at you. And, uh, and, and, and so you, got to, you feel like you've always got to be dodging them. But it was unreal to me that the other people in the station didn't feel that way. They could just walk right through and were ignoring all of that. I found it impossible to ignore those birds. One day while I was changing trains, I watched and there was a gentleman who came and he came and he had bird seed. He had bird seed in his pockets. And so he came and he, he stood out on the platform of the L station right there in downtown Chicago and he just took them out like this and he just held it out like this and he was just swarmed by birds. Well, guess what? In that moment, at that time, you know what happened? Everybody in that station looked at that man. That man had been totally ignorable until he took a step. He took an action that caused himself to draw attention. He purposely did that. Not to get the attention, but get, he got the attention of the birds and he got the attention of every single person in there. And I was thinking back on that this week in context of the verses that we read just a minute ago. And there were two things that I don't know that I'd previously noticed about those things at the train station, that was those birds became the center of attention for me because they were doing something that in my Tennessee background did not know. <laughs> I had not experienced that. Likewise, that man who was previously ignored was impossible for both the birds and the people to ignore. In the end, both the birds and the man were impossible to ignore in that train station that day. And beloved, we see the same thing happening in this passage of Scripture. Jesus, who wanted to be ignored. Jesus, who said, don't tell anyone where I am going. Jesus, who said, I need to get away. We see and we have this perception of Jesus as being not really distraught, but needing some time on his own. But yet they could not ignore Jesus. And by the way, I think it's funny that, that we try to ignore him today. And we, we try to ignore him today when he's still non-ignorable uh, today. There's two things that I want to point out to you just really quickly about these types of thoughts. And, uh, and the first one is this. Jesus found it impossible. Jesus himself 
found it impossible to be ignored. I touched on this a second ago. What great lengths we go to take Jesus out of our culture today. You know what I get to do every Thursday back in South Carolina? Every Thursday I get to pack up a projector, my Bible, a lesson, and I get to drive across the street from our church to a place called Concrete Elementary School, Concrete Primary School, and I get to walk in that school at 2.30 every Thursday afternoon and I get to teach Jesus. I walk in every week and it's called Good News Club and I get to go in there and I get to plug my projector up and I get to put Jesus on slides and I get to show them flashcards with Jesus on it <laughs> and I get to say the word Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all in school. <laughs> Our culture is trying to take that away and has largely in most places taken that away. We go to great lengths to take him out of government, to take him out of schools, to take him out of the public spotlight and media and movies and all those places. Every individual wants to, you talk about Jesus to people and you know what they want to do largely? They, want to, they, they try not to look you in the eye because they don't want Jesus in their conscience. And so you try to tell people about Jesus and, and they want to ignore him. And the reason is because when you do that, you've got, to, you, you've got to deal with Jesus once you're confronted with Jesus. We were at the hotel last night, and the lady who checked us into the hotel, and I just happened to mention, I said, ma'am, I'm going to have the privilege of preaching down the road at First Baptist Church Fairdale tomorrow, and I would really love for you to come and, and be a part of that. And, and she was, uh, 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 I think I got to work tomorrow. And, and, and you know what? She didn't have to work. If she had to work, she'd be working like 24 hours straight. <laughs> but she didn't want to, she didn't want to, she didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Because that's what our culture has, has come to today. Most people don't want him because he might change them if they're forced to deal with Jesus. And we see this clearly in the extent that people go out of their way to avoid religion today. But that's not the case that we read about in Mark chapter 7. Uh, Jesus became the center of attention when he became popular. Now we know that Jesus grew up and he didn't really begin his earthly ministry until he was around 30 years old. But once Jesus began to teach, and listen to me, especially once Jesus began to heal, he became impossible for people to ignore. Whenever Jesus put himself out there, whenever Jesus began his very public ministry, listen, when Jesus began to speak, people began to pay attention to him. People could not ignore Jesus over and over again. We see Jesus, because of this very public ministry and because of the wear and tear that it had to cause, he was trying to get away, uh, trying to, to rest. And over and over again, we see him become impossible to be ignored. And verse 24 of this passage said he wanted no one to know that he was there. He wanted to escape notice. And there were two persons. Well, one person, a lady, Syrophoenician woman, whose daughter was possessed with a demon, and also this group of friends who had a, a man who could not hear, was, was deaf and mute. They would not, they refused to ignore Jesus. And so this Syrophoenician woman came asking Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. And the thing that stands out the most about her was, listen to me, she refused to be ignored herself. <laughs> she refused to be taken for granted. She said in verse 26, she just kept asking. This Story is told also in Matthew's gospel. And Matthew goes a little bit further. He paints the image of the disciples becoming frustrated with this woman. So, so they became very frustrated because it, it's sort of the image of she began to follow them. And it's almost as if she was following after them and yelling after them and, and continually coming at them. She made herself impossible to be ignored. Likewise, this group of friends uh, in the Decapolis who brought Jesus 
Uh, this man who is deaf and mute, and Mark talks about this, this man needed. He, he could not do this on his own. He needed a specific group of friends to go to this specific person because he had a very specific need. And beloved, that's exactly the way Jesus works in. Jesus doesn't work in generalities. Jesus works in the specifics. And so Jesus, went, these men came and brought the, their friend to Jesus because this was the only way it would happen. And look what happened in verse 32. It said they brought to him one who was deaf and, and spoke with difficulty. And it said that they implored Jesus. They begged Jesus to, to help their friend. Just like the Syrophoenician woman to have mercy on their friend. And that was the nature, listen, that was the nature of Jesus' overall ministry. Every single place that he went, people wanted him. Every single place that he went, people would follow after him. Jesus sometimes would have to get in the boat and try to go across the other side of the sea because people did not want to ignore him. Everywhere he went, people begged him and they kept asking things of him. Indeed, Jesus found it very impossible to be ignored. But this is just where the text gets interesting. Because <laughs> not only did Jesus find it impossible for himself to be ignored, number two, Jesus found it impossible to ignore others. Number one, Jesus found it impossible to be ignored, but then Jesus found it impossible to ignore others. There was no doubt that he was tired. There was no doubt. We know that he was God incarnate, but yet he was also God in the, he was God in the flesh, and so we know that he became tired, like we become tired, and he was probably weary with people pursuing him all the time with, with their selfish reasons. But over and over and over and over and over again, we see Jesus stepping forward to help these people. Over and over again, we see Jesus coming and, and, and helping them. He could not ignore them when they would come to him. Take the Syrophoenician woman. In both Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel, it almost seems as if Jesus is trying to chase her away. I mean, seriously, if you read those two gospels and you just sort of kind of give a casual passing to those, to those accounts, you would think that Jesus is trying to push this lady away. And this is probably a good point. That would not have been an unreasonable thing to take place then. She was a Gentile. She was not someone of the Jewish religion. She was, she was, uh, he wasn't, was no longer serving uh, the region of Tyre and Sidon around the Decapolis. These were not Jewish lands. Jesus was not where he typically ministered. He was amongst the group of Gentiles. And so for him to ignore her would not have been an unreasonable thing for a Jewish religious leader to do. Because, by the way, it would be, un, it would be ceremonially, ceremonially unclean for him to do that. I mean, for him to, 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 to engage with her, they probably practiced or at least exposed to a pagan Greek religion. So it, as mean as it sounds, it would not have been the, an unheard of thing for Jesus to just try to ignore this lady who's following him, begging him to heal her daughter. Now, we know today, if you listen to me, say amen. We know today that salvation is available to everyone, Amen. We know today that salvation is just as available to the Greek as it is to the Jew, right? Because the Bible tells us that. But Jesus' earthly ministry to this point had largely been to just the Jewish people. So this was a little strange with her to come to him. It's a little strange for Jesus to pay attention. In Matthew's account of this, chapter 15, verse 24, Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What that means is Jesus is basically saying, I was only here. I was only sent to serve the Jewish people. Right now, my ministry is to them and to them primarily. And so one interesting thing to see in this passage is where he essentially goes on to call her a dog. 
Now listen, if we take this out of context, we think Jesus is a pretty mean man. If we take this verse out by itself, we think Jesus is calling her a dog. She's coming to Jesus and begging and pleading, and he's basically turning his back on her and walking away from her. We can look at it now and say that Jesus was, what he was actually doing was testing her faith, but it did not appear that way in Mark chapter 7, verse 27. Look what it says. It says, and he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it out to the dogs. This is, in essence, what it sounds like Jesus is saying. Yes, I've got good things, but they're not for you. And if we took that verse out and we just set it aside, we would think, whoa, he is going to ignore her. He is going to walk away. But what Jesus was really doing was testing her faith. Because then we get to verse 28. And she answers and said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. H.A. Ironside, a pastor of old, paraphrased that passage of Scripture. This is what... H.A. Ironside said, he's quoting, paraphrasing this woman's response. It's almost as if she said, Lord, I recognize the fact that I'm just a poor outcast Gentile. But Lord, please give me some of the crumbs that the children of the kingdom are refusing. Allow me to take the place of even a puppy under the table that I might obtain mercy at your hand. And you know what Jesus did? Yes. Jesus is like, Yes. He responded to her and he said, your faith is what has saved your daughter. Go home, the demon's gone. Jesus did not ignore her because she came to to Jesus in faith. And if you're listening to me, say amen. Jesus will never, ever, ever, ever turn aside somebody who comes to him in faith. Never will he turn them aside. You come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I'm a, I'm a woe-begotten sinner. You come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I recognize that my sin has made me at enmity with you. You come to Jesus and say, I'm, I'm wretched. You come to Jesus and say, this is what I've done and that's what I've done. You come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know how you can accept me, but please, 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 Jesus, welcome me into the kingdom of God. And he'll say, come right on. He will find it impossible to ignore you if you find it impossible to ignore him. And that's what we must do, beloved. That's what happened with this sour Phoenician woman. A very similar thing for the deaf man and for the mute man, right? We see his friends' faith. His friends trusted Jesus. They could not ignore Jesus. They knew what Jesus was capable of, and so they came and they brought their friend. And their faith is what caused this man to be made well. See, his friend's persistence imploring Jesus to lay his hand on their friend, and that's what won the Lord over. Friends, when I look at this passage of Scripture, there are two lives that were changed. Two lives that were changed, and they were changed for two very specific reasons. Number one, Jesus' life and ministry made it impossible for him to be ignored. And number two, Jesus' love and compassion made it impossible for others to ignore Jesus. Now, if you're listening to me, say amen. Don't you think Fairdale needs to hear that same message? Don't you think that the people in the neighborhood across the street, don't you think the people in the high school down the road, don't you think the people sitting in that really cool, new-to-me pizza parlor that y'all got around the corner, don't you think they need to hear 
about Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry? Don't you think they need to hear about Jesus' love and Jesus' compassion? Beloved, here's my charge to you today. I'm going to tell it to you, and then we can go eat. Jesus' charge to us, and especially to you here this morning, beloved, is that you become impossible to ignore. You see, here's the thing. Jesus has placed you here. Jesus has placed you here in this community. Jesus has placed you here in the midst of these people. And not only has Jesus strategically placed you here, Jesus has strategically placed you here with a message. And he strategically placed you here with a mission to tell others about him. To make him such that Jesus is impossible to ignore for them. Are you doing that today? Are you doing that today? Are you making a difference in this community because you're making it impossible for Jesus to be ignored? I went back. You know, I, I, I remember vaguely that Josh preached through the book of Mark uh, not too long ago. And uh, I guess it was actually back at the end of 2016. And he actually preached this specific passage from the end of Mark chapter 7. And so I went back, brother, and I listened to your sermons. Good job. You're fantastic. <laughs> I didn't intend this to be a deep exposition today. I'm dealing more with application. Josh went much more deep. I, if you haven't heard it, I urge you to go back and to do that. Um, but when Josh preached this passage three years ago, he made this statement. Brother, I'm going to quote back the statement. You probably had never had that happen to you before. Listen to this. Josh said, God's people must be a speaking people. We want everyone in Fairdale to be loved and served by us. But it's not enough just to love and to serve. Listen to this. He said, we exist to speak about Jesus while we learn and serve people. Josh said, we exist to speak about Jesus. If you listen to me, wave at me. You know what that means? That means you got to be impossible. You've got to make yourself impossible to be ignored so you can make Jesus impossible to be ignored. That's exactly what Josh was saying. And that's exactly what this verse of Scripture points out to you and I today. Because you know what? Do you know what happens when we speak about Jesus, when we truly speak about Jesus, people find him impossible to ignore. When we speak about Jesus, people find it impossible to ignore. Now, they may do like that lady at the, at the hotel last night, and they may try. You know why? This is why we don't just invite people to church. We don't invite people to church, beloved. We invite people to Jesus. The church may help people, but the church has never changed any people. The only way that people get changed is through Jesus. Jesus is the change agent. <laughs> Jesus is the one who has purchased their redemption through his blood. It's through the blood of Christ that we have forgiveness. It's through the blood of Jesus that we are able to be reconciled to a holy God. Those of us who are far off are able to be brought near. And if you tell them that, you tell them that lesson, that message, you want to know what they're going to do? Ultimately, they're going to have to deal with it. They may reject Jesus. They may turn away from Jesus. They may not want anything to do with this Jesus, but guess what? They will find it impossible to ignore him. So my charge to you, beloved, if you want to get to that 206th year, my charge to you, friends, is to get out and do that. And why wouldn't we want to do that? I would imagine here in Fairdale, there's many people. Y'all know each other. Y'all grown up together. You went to school together, Right? It'd be easy to look around Fairdale and say, most everybody's saved here. It'd be easy to look around and say, I know that person, they're saved, and that person, they're saved. But can I suggest something to you? You don't know that. 
You don't always know that. Maybe that person's just needing someone to be faithful. Maybe they're needing someone who loves them enough to be like those friends who brought the deaf man. Maybe they're waiting for someone to care about them enough to be like the Syrophoenician woman. They found it impossible to ignore Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, Jesus found it impossible to ignore them. And friends, shouldn't this church be like that? Shouldn't this be a church that does that? Shouldn't the mission of this church for the next 103 years be just like Jesus? Listen, Jesus came to seek, Jesus came to serve, and Jesus came to save those people who are around him. And the mission of the church, made very clear in the New Testament, is that we should be the same thing. We, like Jesus, should seek to seek people. We should seek to serve people. But seeking and serving is not enough. We need to tell them about Jesus so that they might be saved. Will you commit to doing that? I don't expect anybody will be here in 103 more years. But for whatever time you've got left, would you agree that you'll make it your life's mission to make it so that Jesus cannot be ignored. Because listen to me, when Jesus is not ignored, lives can be changed. That's what we want, amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, what a wonderful reminder of your goodness, of your mercy, of your love, of your compassion. Of your intent, Lord. Your intent is that none should perish. That all should have eternal life. But Father, the way that you have constructed that is that we are to be the ones to go and do it, Lord. We are to be the ones to be faithful to the gospel. We are the ones who are to be faithful to the mission. Father, I thank you that we are to be so committed, Lord. And I pray that my brothers and sisters that are listening to me here in Fairdale, Lord, would take upon themselves this commitment, this charge, Father to be impossible to be ignored themselves because of their love and their compassion, but even more so, that they would make you impossible to be ignored. Because when that happens, lives get changed. Communities get turned around. Father, that is our great prayer. Lord, I'm well aware of the fact that there may be somebody here this morning that does not have a relationship with you at all. Lord, that they... They're walking their own path. They're doing their own thing. But Lord, maybe they have heard this gospel. Maybe it was last week in this sanctuary. Or maybe it was five years ago at the convenience store. Maybe it was sitting on a grandmother's knee somewhere. But Lord, they have tried everything in the world to push Jesus aside in this message of salvation. And perhaps today, Lord, perhaps this morning, their soul has been prompted that it's time to deal with Jesus. Father in heaven, if that is your work and if that is your will, I pray that they would indeed sprint down the aisle to get right with you today. Whatever it is that you will to do, Father, from committing, uh, persons committing themselves to this great mission, to people getting saved, people joining the church, whatever you would do this morning, God, I pray that you would do it in a very strong way. And we ask this in the high and holy name of Jesus. Amen.